Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bot Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Ewan Patterson. Hello. And Rich Hudson. Hello. Now, lads, we're going to be getting a new bunch of consoles next year, including the PS5, which Sony haven't shown us yet, but we know that it's coming. We know all sorts of different things, so we just thought we'd leap into the game side of stuff and talk about a bunch of franchises that either need a sequel or just need to return. Maybe they've been dormant for a while or whatever. And I thought we'd just open on one of Ewan's ideas, mm-hmm. which is what they could do for another Ellie Noir. Yeah, this is, again, not one of my ideas. I saw this on Twitter, and for the life of me, I can't remember who actually said it, <laughs> But they've uh, Mindhunter season two came out the other month. It's a great show on Netflix, all about the the burgeoning development of criminal, criminology in the early seventies uh, when serial killers were kind of really getting diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And someone had the amazing idea that if Rockstar are keen on using the LA Noir license, which they you know seem to be, we have the VR case files and stuff. Mm. Why don't they just make it so that LA Noir is? Um, a series that they use the tech for to make different detective-themed games in different eras. Mm-hmm. So you could have a Mindhunter-style serial killer-type thing going on in the early 70s. You could have maybe a Vice-style, Miami Vice-style thing going on mm-hmm. in the 80s. You could have a Bad Boy-style thing going on in the 90s and so on and so <laughs> forth. I think that would be a really clever way of you know expanding on that franchise. Mm-hmm. I would definitely be happy to have just another L.A. Noir set in the late 40s, early 50s. Mm-hmm. But I think if you were to really, really tap into the potential of that, tech or what Team Bondi started and Rockstar could totally do that themselves with their own studio I think it would make sense to go in and do different errors with different kinds of crime as the focus my thing with um, Ellie Noir is that I always loved the technology like Mm -hmm. all the facial capture stuff was always outstanding and like obviously came from Team Bondi but Rockstar they haven't really used that tech since then no Um, like obviously the Rage engine's great and everything but they haven't really done much with that technology Um, and even though like they just released the the VR case files which is the motion controls and the PSVR types thing where they just strip the story out and just give you, I think it's like six or seven case files. Um, I still love that. I love detective thriller type stuff. And um, for me, my only problems with Le Noir was the some of the other, yeah. some of the other sort of mechanical stuff, some of the story based stuff. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like a setup, yeah, if you just divorce it from trying to do like an overarching narrative and just drop you into a time period, mm, even then great. they could totally do it. Like they could go back in time if they wanted and do mm. like an Agatha Christie style nineteen thirties, <laughs> maybe even a Prohibition era Le Noir game or something. Something along those lines, mm-hmm. I think, would really, really work. Maybe just do the Untouchables and have someone do mm. Sean Connery doing his really bad. Irish accent again. He brings a knife, you bring a gun. I'd be a big fan. Rich, did you play Ellie Noir? I've not played Ellie Noir 
ever. Mm. You I, 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 shouldn't. I'm kind. Should. I'm kind of keen to pick you it should. up and jump in. Mm-hmm. You should. Uh, but no, I've not played that in a while. If you play the VR one, you can you can accuse people with your actual you hands. You can also grab the corpse and just go. <laughs> like that. For, so for people who are just still? listening, I just did my arm in the air, and it, it was meant to be someone's face. And I'm I it back totally recommend the Ellie Noir skit. Uh, I forget the name of the channel, <laughs> yes. but there's a YouTube channel of the guy just dancing in the mirror and just being an absolute banter. I think I, think I have seen that. Yeah, I think I have seen it's, that. Maybe yeah. don't lead with that, but it's a good time. Um, Rich you had down um, the return of Valve yes we are waiting on Valve's triumphant return to not being terrible um, <laughs> since I think their last game they released would have been Dota 2 which mm. was like 2015 it's been a while and the VR mini game uh, yeah they've done a lot of VR stuff I mean they're really really investing in it because you know at the end of the day if any company can make VR a proper like I don't say triple A but like making a full experience out of it is mm. Valve mm. they've always been very good and being very ahead with these things the last thing they released actually I, I lied the last thing they released was Artifact I completely brushed oh, over God. it because it was a colossal failure yeah I was going to say didn't that close is, down <laughs> yeah it, the, the, the numbers plummeted irrelevant right. to the fact they had the guy uh, who started who, who founded like established Magic the Gathering in to do Artifact mm-hmm. it just kind of fell on its butt like apparently mm. mechanically it's brilliant but the monetization of it isn't like super greedy uh, but like it just it just kind of kills and just no one wants a card off, yeah because yeah, it's not free to play it's like yeah. 15, 16 quid to get in and then it's card packs from on there but um, Valve release, recently released the Valve Index which is their uh, it is the flagship VR headset you can get it's a, oh. it's a grand for just the headset itself good lord it is super duper expensive but it is <laughs> apparently completely mind blowing okay uh, and there have been rumours going around for a long time. Thank you, Tyler McVicker from Valve News Network for all of this. Uh, the Half-Life VR is going to be their uh, big flagship game. Ooh. They're working on this. said we're working on a proper full-on game for VR, not like an experience like they've done so mm. far. I've had a lot of experience, like a lot of practice doing that. They're now going to bring it into the forefront and do a full game. And supposedly that's going to be a Half-Life game. Not necessarily Half-Life 3, which, mm-hmm. to be honest, I wouldn't want it to be, mm-hmm. but it will be something Half-Life related. Do you think that um, the return of Valve would be... Like, what do you want to see in terms of, like, do you think they're just the VR studio now? That's so... The vibe I don't, is so much I of don't think they're a VR studio solely. I think mm. they put a lot of time and resources into it. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the Vive was a, was a co-project between Valve and HTC. The Vive is the, the sort of the, the, the go-to premium that isn't the Valve Index now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're still going to do other stuff as well because even their other games are still getting some support like Dota obviously the international that's still a massive thing CSGO is still a massive thing mm. TF2 is kind of getting by uh, just about away. yeah but I think they, they've got you know, they're sitting on a lot of IPs they can really really use if they turn around and said hey here's the orange box 2 as our <laughs> big like we're back again. Here's mm-hmm. Half-Life VR. Here's Portal Three. Here's Left 4 Dead Three. Oh, Portal uh, the, Three! The thing like, is, like, I was I, I, out of all of these. Even though I love all those games, and I love Portal Two especially, mm-hmm. the one that I really think is a no-brainer for them because surely it would cost nothing to make and it would be easy to develop mm-hmm. is Left 4 Dead Three. And, and we were, admittedly, yeah. like, a, you know, the scumminess uh, of it. They can easily monetize Left 4 Dead. Yeah, they can like easily monetize. Play, I mean, yeah. it's just like we've got Resident Evil doing a Left 4 Dead type thing. So, and people are constantly mm-hmm. craving those like co-op survival horror experiences. And like Left 4 Dead 2 was so replayable. Like, even the first one as well. Like they yeah. were both so replayable. And to me, it's it's kind of mad considering how basic those games were that mm. they haven't yeah. just taken that and you know just done a bajillion Left 4 I mean, Dead. That's the thing because like Left 4 Dead 2 is only a year after Left 4 Dead yeah, 1, and everyone was like, "This is going to be terrible." but mm-hmm. it's like it's it's a, it's a format you can't really mess up mm-hmm. so yeah i think i think people would like 
Left 4 Dead 3 as their next proper game, which, you know, I'd be completely down for. As I've said, I absolutely adore Vermintide, which is just mm-hmm. all the spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead mm-hmm. in the Warhammer universe. But give me another Left 4 Dead for definite. Because it's weird. And Turtle Rock are doing uh, Bound for Blood or Born for Blood. Uh, uh, Something oh, for blood. It's a back for blood. Back for blood. And like, that's clearly them tapping back into the fact that, yeah, until sort of Resident Evil came out with the Outbreak stuff um, or with Project Resistance, Mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, there is kind of like a niche for like a zombie style horde shooter that, yeah, the millions. Just a horror co op thing against the alien. Like you said, it it lends itself so well to games as a service. So you can totally expand that wherever they want to. The thing is, like, my first experience of using like loot boxes came from Valve. Mm -hmm. And I I think the reason why I'm not so hard on microtransactions is because my experience with it with playing things like Team Fortress 2, which I put a lot of money into rich it's a good game mate stop spending but the thing more is that i don't valve's approach to loot boxes and stuff in any of their games you know as artifacts kind of different because it's a card game it's kind of expected in mm-hmm. that respect their microtransaction systems are nowhere near as predatory as anything else if they stick the same kind of system into left for dead 3 it's that it's the kind of microtransactions loot boxes whatever that i can easily brush off yeah, yeah, yeah because it's not actually that mm-hmm. big of a deal mm-hmm. team fortress had it csgo had it no there's never been any like internal first party controversy with CSGO it's only really been um, when there were YouTubers the doing the gambling sites yeah. and stuff yeah, like that yeah, true. that's where the problems were the actual systems itself were fine mm-hmm. so yeah they could easily monetize Left 4 Dead 3 they can make it games as a service if they just keep giving us loads of maps and stuff mm-hmm. to do give us all the workshop stuff let us mod it so it's Teletubbies instead <laughs> it's a no I feel like Valve have been missing for so long even on the Portal 3 front as well like just thinking of the Portal technology Portal 2 is 2011 yeah yeah thinking of the technology that got announced for the PS5 like the adaptive triggers like a controller that sort of like pushes back against you yeah. that you feel different tech Textures in. I feel like a company like Valve would do something really unique with that. Yeah. Um, and just give me like another celebrity style character. Like give me not another Wheatley exactly, but you know, another sort of really good personality mm-hmm. that you can hook things sort of a lot of different set pieces around or whatever. That's one of the things that I love the most about Portal 2. Um, one of the franchises I've got down is Burnout, which has just been dormant for so long. Um, the arcade races just kind of went away. Like the massive push into simulation stuff, Forza, yeah. Forza Horizon, Gran Turismo, um, Project Cars. And then um, we did get Dangerous Driving um, from some ex-Burnout 3 devs. Apparently that's terrible, isn't it? Oh no, I like it. I like I like dangerous driving. Was it dangerous driving that was bad? There was I know there was a there was a burnout successor that was apparently absolute. Garbage. I think I mean dangerous driving like they released it. They patched the, like so much into it. Right, like, okay. uh, it was released very like early on to sort of go like okay, this is what we're doing and whatever. Um, I was like the dangerous driving is like you can tell that it's made by the ex burnout people. Yep. It looks exactly like it, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't really have like sometimes it doesn't have necessarily the same weight that burnout used to have in terms of the takedowns and slamming yourself into corners and stuff. Like yeah. they've still got a ways to go with it, but it was good as a proof of concept um, but in terms of just arcade races like I feel like they're just dormant they've just been away for so long I think they've kind of merged into the uh, the realistic racing mm-hmm. sort of thing because you know you've got you've got Forza you've got Gran Turismo but then you've got Forza Horizon which is mm. about as close Horizon's as you get to close, an arcade yeah. racer and the Horizon is brilliant mm-hmm. But it's still that it's that sense of realism, but with the with the sense of fun. Yeah. The last like arcade race that <coughs> I played that was recent was Codemasters Onrush. Yeah, yeah. And that was a game you can play five minutes of it, you played the whole game. Kind of felt it's like, like it. It's, it's, it was a shame because Codemasters do some really good games. They <laughs> do. I was going to bring up Grid actually because mm-hmm. I've been playing that this week, the new reboot of Grid, and yeah. it's kind of like you said, it's the it's the weird middle ground between simulation and arcade, and there's lots of different problems with that game that mm-hmm. I think you know kind of means that we either have to lead into one or two categories at the moment. I think Horizon 
simplifies and exemplifies the best things about going for both worlds. Mm-hmm. I think you're totally right. We need another ar- stupid arcade the racer is, where you like, can just smash into things yeah. and like just free roam and do stupid stuff with your friends. Mm-hmm. Inhales, split second. I was going to say because mm-hmm. like you like yeah, split second was a brilliant like it's, addendum. It's never to, coming. It's never coming back. Probably it's, not. It's but like that was a great like way to sort of take burnout and just add like Hollywood style spectacle and stunt work to it. And like in split second, it is burnout, but you're just triggering all these different environmental like attacks for your other uh, players and stuff. And I like that setup. <laughs> Wasn't there a really? I know Split Second was great, but I just you just remembered that made me remember the really really bad stuntman games that came out. <laughs> oh, they were just, they, the checkpoints are what killed them because you yeah. had to do so much in one go without messing anything. Yeah. up. I remember when when I was at my prime with with Split Second back in 2010. I think it came out in 2000. I think it was 2010 or 2009. Mm. Um, all my friends were playing Blur. Yeah, yeah, Blair oh, was great. Was another oh my god, Blair was great. Blair was like kart racing, but if yeah, you had like real it, cars. It looked like, because my friends were all playing that and they were like, oh, you get items. I'm like, I don't want items. I can blow up skyscrapers. <laughs> <laughs> I love Blair. And there was a one called Rumble Racing on the PS2 that like, you like sort of flip and rotate through midair and stuff and land into Nitrous Boosts. But yeah, there's not enough arcade races where you have a dedicated boost button. You yeah. can take people down. There's like, the dangerous driving is the closest thing to it that's been recent. Although, like I said, it doesn't have the overall polish because the budget isn't high enough yeah. um, for a burnout. You know what we need? Sort of shallow. Mm-hmm. We just need a new wacky races game. Oh god, the old school cell shaded one. Yeah, I had that for the Dreamcast. It was great, mate. It would, yeah, it was. <laughs> the, yeah, the PS2 one was fantastic as yeah. well. Um, so yeah, my shout out will be Burnout, just general sort of uh, arcade races returning. Mm-hmm. Um, Ewan, would you like Battlefield? Yes. Or Star Wars? Um, I think I'll go for Bad Company first because sure. I think the thing is with Battlefield is that even though every single game the Dice have done uh, with the Battlefield license over the past decade has been, I think objectively good. I think the actual mm. um, the quality has never been in doubt, um, but tonally. I feel as though there's something lacking ever since they made the switch back from Bad Company to base Battlefield. Mm. And I think Bad Company 1, but especially Bad Company 2, I think many people consider it to be the the kind of the the peak of the franchise over the last kind of two decades. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting because... My experience of Bad Company 2 was like uh, it was. It was Dice was still learning their destructible, like the whole frostbite thing, like mm-hmm. learning how to make the best out of destructible environments and such. But I don't know what it is about it. They they made the switch from Bad Company 2 to Battlefield 3, and during that switch, I feel as though they strove for an element of realism that then was kind of absent from how the game played itself. Because if you look at how both Bad Company 2 and Battlefield play, mm-hmm. they're not too dissimilar, but there are certain. Um, it's not a tonal disparity either because obviously the single player is tonally different Mm -hmm. compared to the single player but there are certain mechanics in there that they try to make it so it's slightly more realistic and I feel like that doesn't really gel with the the craziness of Battlefield even though it's very team oriented and you meant to take it seriously there is an inherent wackiness Mm -hmm. and kind of cinema style leaning to those bad company games Mm -hmm. that's kind of been absent from the latter ones I remember when um, Battlefield used to be a bit more like experimental I remember Battlefield 2 was Mm -hmm. the one where you could like jump out of your soldier and fly across the map and go into something combat yeah I like that like yeah. I mean I thought they could have done more with that well stuff. the thing is the, with Battlefield 5 and Battlefield 1 I thought Battlefield 1 was great I really really liked Battlefield 1 I thought they had mm. some really great ideas with the idea of uh, operations I thought that was a fantastic that's the, well, the way of like that's like modes, narrativizing yeah. your multiplayer in in a historical context mm. like World War 1 is a fantastic idea because it lends more weight to the overall actions that you're engaging you're pushing with pushing for the next objective yes. and whatever but there was a weird thing that came about from Battlefield 1 to Battlefield uh, 5 mm. where the, the emotion 
emotion of warfare kind of took hold of the entire game experience itself mm. the actual single player war stories they shoot for a you know a reverence for for those past conflicts but there is a weird kind of um not kind of sentimentality but it's it's a weird it attitude a to, yes it feels yeah. very very forced i think dice would do much better to kind of maybe go back to bad company and learn into the well lean into the dirty dozen aspects of it all right. whether that be in another like a bad company three or you said it and continue the story of sergeant sweetwater and whoever else was yeah, in them yeah. or you go back and maybe say let's do something in vietnam let's do something in korea let's mm-hmm. do something in world war ii again but make it more tonally like it's a film rather than just we're trying to make something that's kind of like call of duty but on a grander scale yeah i think the climate is perfect for bad company three because Same. battlefield five kind of slipped out of the gate it's not really taken off like half the time i forget mm-hmm. the game even exists mm-hmm. And, you know, Call of Duty is in that position where they've just rebooted Modern Warfare. People are genuinely excited. I am really, so really excited for Modern, for Modern Warfare. I've been playing Call of Duty Mobile. I'm like hankering to um, play more COD. And, you know, if this if this works, which, you know, I there's a, 75% of me knows this is going to work. There's a, I think there's only a slim chance of this will completely fall on its ass. Right. Um, but I think maybe this is when EA would look at that and see... Look, because like Bad, Bad Company Two is at the same time as like Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare Two. Yeah, it was it? 2010. Yeah. That's about, yeah. Yeah, 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 slap bang in the middle of Modern Warfare, mm. Modern Warfare Two. Then, so that that kind of era is coming back. So if EA look back at the Battlefield Library and think, right, what was there? It's Bad Company. Let's yeah. do Bad Company Three. It, it honestly, it makes the most sense to to do that if Battlefield is kind of slipping at the moment. If they did six, yeah, then people will go, okay. I feel done. like they don't necessarily know what their biggest and hook the, the is The interesting anymore. thing is I think they probably benefit from maybe doing another 1943-style arcade mm. game. Do you remember 1943? Yeah, man, that was we could see in a next gen bad company mm. maybe just do like a like a battlefield 1944 but mm. have it as like a, cla- a cheap arcade game that you can just hop in with two mm. of your friends and maybe it could be like an arcade mode within bad company three yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah like, yeah, have like a bare bones mode yeah. in, in cod that gets rid of all the I'd classes definitely check mm. out look I'd, I'd look at videos of 1943 rich because it was oh, like, generally it was, it was a barrel laugh it was the, great the death of the xbox live arcade was like one of the weirdest like yeah. things that just shouldn't have gone away it was a great way to guarantee you were going to get a demo for everything mm-hmm. microsoft used to mandate so you could play everything that was going to be on there and then you did get these weird little half step things that weren't indie games but they weren't triple a games but they were still filled with triple yeah. a style mechanics like that, yeah that was awesome that's interesting like looking at new storefronts and wondering okay which one of these is a mobile game ported to a console <laughs> yeah. i'd like to i'd like to have that yeah, discerning like boot yeah yeah like looking for the switch style at the minute it's like everything looks crap yeah it's like 95 percent of the stuff yeah um but just the last thing for bad company as well is that a bad company 3 has been rumored or leaked mm-hmm. before they have mentioned that it's but well, it was something that they've at least considered it yes. keeps coming back up so assumedly at some yeah. point it'll come back yeah. um Rich, the next thing that you had was Bioshock 4. Yes. Which we do know is coming. Yeah, there's been, a, there's been a lot of stuff about that. Was it Jason Schreier that turned, said, I walked into a room and saw Bioshock 4? He was 4 um, covering Mafia. Yeah, the, 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 the Hangar 13 folks have all been drafted over from Mafia to yep. do Because um, Irrational Games, it was Irrational, wasn't it? Who did? Irrational, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're kind of, Ken they're dead, aren't they? Like, uh, well, Ken Levine sort of left and formed his own studio, so he handpicked a bunch of staff from Irrational to go and start something I don't know whether Irrational got like, absorbed into something else. Uh, just something to do with 2K, I guess, but yeah. like, 
like, um, yeah, Levine's off doing his own thing, but apparently Bioshock is, uh, yeah, is being made, was being made in the same building as the Mafia game. So we know that it's yeah. coming, but yeah. No, I think that makes the most sense. Like, I recently went back and I, I replayed Bioshock 1 for the first time in God knows how many years. Mm-hmm. It was actually the first time I'd replayed it in full right. since I first played it. So uh-huh. I was going back to it, like, still, I mean, you know, I know everything about Bioshock, but, like, going back to it, it's like... I need more of this. Mm-hmm. I've got Bioshock 2 now. I can finally play Bioshock 2 and I played Infinite anyway. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't hate Infinite. It is, there are moments when it's like, okay, this is, you know, this is, this is going to be silly now. Uh-huh. Like all the twists and stuff is like, okay, this is just, this is a proper like, it reminds me uh, of like Black Ops 3 trying to be clever. Right, it's yeah. Like, hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think at some point, like, Ken Levine was just like, I'm known as the guy that can do, like, he always said he wanted to have the the brains and the brawn, and I think with Infinite, it's like both elements kind of clashing with each other. Yeah, but any, a sequel to Bioshock, be it, like, if it's something with maybe, like, Elizabeth, or even Mm. something written Rapture, or even better, just something completely new, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe the, I've always wanted to see a a Bioshock, but it is like a sci-fi thing, so it is more like the the spiritual predecessor system shock uh-huh. and they did their own sci-fi like, almost like uh like a prey style right. yeah, thing. yeah 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 like a city in space or a city yeah, in yeah. or something. That'd be because, um, you know, the System Shock uh, remaster is coming. The System Shock 3 is coming. Mm-hmm. So that, again, that nostalgia kick is there. And if Bioshock can tap into the people who are like, 
you know, wanting this third party remake of a of a classic sci-fi game, mm. they can go, okay, well here's the first party AAA equivalent yeah, yeah, yeah. to I'm, System Shock. I'm so curious what they do because the end of Infinite was literally infinite. They established that like the rules of the world, there's always a person, there's always a lighthouse, there's always these different elements that go into each of the stories. But then obviously like the DLC went back to Rapture again. Yeah. Yeah. Rapture is like the thing everyone associates with. I mean the with last rumor was that there was gonna be something to do with Rapture kind of rising up, wasn't there? I swear I think that was so, the last yeah. the last rumor we had was something about Rapture kind of trying coming. to oh God, yeah, there's a whole story yeah. about um, yeah, someone trying to like uh, take back the land, yeah, or whatever yeah. else. Which, like, I don't know. I don't know if you lose the isolation that I makes. Think it's quite so interesting. Though. I think that the idea mm. of Rapture kind of rising from the like almost like a reverse Atlantis would be quite interesting. <laughs> That'd be yeah. cool. Some of the initial um, sort of uh, documents that they had when they were conceptualizing Bioshock was way more to do with like botanics and um, yeah. like plant powers and like sort of like you know things to do like with that, um, which I think would make like a cool sort of I don't know companion piece to all the underwater. Something stuff makes me think I stuff. want something like a, a hidden city slash tribe in like a jungle or something mm. like something completely different from mm-hmm. Bioshock it becomes more like natural like there is just something going on in a mm-hmm. big forest there's lots of mm-hmm. like maybe there is like a laboratory that has experiments and then suddenly that everything that's quite close to like, what they had initially yeah, yeah like all the animals are starting to go all rabid and weird and mm-hmm. stuff like and you know the beauty of Bioshock is they can really take it in any, in any direction they want to yeah the idea of maybe continuing <clears> infinite <throat> probably wouldn't work mm-hmm. But do something outlandishly different. Take us to a different planet. I'm super curious what they do in terms of because Levine's obviously gone. He was a like mm-hmm. obviously he was one of the lead scriptwriters and he's the lead sort of conceptual designer and everything. So it's like trying to do another Metal Gear without Kojima is like Bioshock without Levine. Like mm-hmm. how do you sort of keep going with that? And obviously like as a studio, assumedly they're all fans of the trilogy. They you know know where they would take it. So I'm curious what sort of what they lean on and how they make it feel like Bioshock. Alternatively, kind of they just reboot it, <coughs> which, I, which I think could happen. Oh, he just called it Bioshock. Again. Yeah, just called it Bioshock. Maybe speaking of reboots. Uh, I have Mass Effect down because I don't count Mass Effect Andromeda, although I didn't think it was that bad, but it's still not really it's a not Mass thing. Effect, yeah, it's it like, it's weird. It had some nice ideas in terms of, um, you know, taking the idea that at the end of Mass Effect 3, a whole bunch of people did believe Commander Shepard and they did think that the Reapers were going to come and then they shoot off to a different part of the galaxy because they, you know, try and sort of make a life for themselves. That's the perfect way to segue into a new Mass Effect and mm-hmm. you can take sort of, you know, the lessons learned from Shepard and what he did and whatever and the, the different race relations and everything and then just strive out to do your own thing. Andromeda should have been that and it completely dropped the ball and like the only sci-fi thing in Andromeda is some floating rocks you never see anything else apart from some cat people and it's a bit lame and so I think that um, with enough time given um, the Mass Effect IP is just so strong like every year when N7 Day rolls around um, everyone starts talking about it again um, and even at Bioware like uh, with K- um, Casey Hudson um, was just saying that like you know like every like, every day we come to work thinking about how we could do another Mass Effect and it's like yeah that was one of your biggest successes and it doesn't it deserves more than yeah, dying it, it with shouldn't, Andromeda. It, yeah exactly it shouldn't Andromeda shouldn't be the the last no. song that, that the Mass Effect choir uh, kind of you know practices. It's mm-hmm. a shame because I think of Mass Effect as like I've never really been able to fully invest in it because I, even though I'm a big Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. I find that Mass Effect is this weird kind of half step between Trek and Star Wars. Like oh, I never that's decide, why I love it. I can never decide which one it wants to invest in more heavily, which mm-hmm. is a bit of a shame. But I definitely see the potential there, and like it's 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 a it's a staple of the of the medium. You mm-hmm. know, it has to it, Mass Effect has to continue. There's no way it shouldn't continue. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I don't know how you would do that. Whether you do maybe go back to the pack maybe do a prequel could potentially be a there's way of doing it plenty of stuff from the novels they can pull yeah. from like the the first contact war there's all the different yeah there's all the stuff with all the race relations first all the races first discovering each other mm. the idea that when um, humans were first discovered that's the whole first contact war the Tur- like you know they ended up shooting at the Turians the Turians shot at them like you know you have all those things that get to the heart of the philosophies in Mass Effect which is the stuff that's this more Star Trekian type mm-hmm. stuff um, but that's what I want I'd want the nerdiest possible version of 
that game. Um, and even though a whole bunch of Bioware staff have left, you still do have Casey Hudson. So which he, at least he was there at the start. Um, and they can sort of make some roads to make amends for the way that the series has kind of gone off the boil since like 2012. But I mean, EA are putting, you know, they, they know that single player story stuff can work. I mean, mm. we'll have to see how Jedi Fallen Order does. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. I am but, like, just that, so that, curious that, that just that kind game. of proves that okay, EA are like, they, they're not, so stubborn that they're just like this isn't even mm. worth doing anymore because mm-hmm. they've actually listened and realized this could work mm-hmm. if fallen order works we could see the return of something like mass effect mm-hmm. or another you know heavy single player focused title even was uh, even like medal of honor mm-hmm. like supposedly they're putting that back, back oculus yeah and uh, like that coming back with a very narrative heavy thing it's like this is something that does work yeah. so I, I feel like the future of mass effect be it five, be it four slash five whichever you want to call mm-hmm. it be it minus it'll one. probably have a colon or just mass, be effect mass effect zero yeah uh, I think all of that hinges on the success of Fallen Order and I don't yeah. that may be down to uh, I think there'd be more down to um, financial success obviously but also I think critical success will also be a thing because I think another thing maybe people are concerned about with uh, Fallen Order on a weird tangent is like how well the story works yeah 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 I mean EA's influence on it do yeah. you want me to tangent into my last one now or? feel free yeah because I was, I was going to say something about Star Wars and yeah. how I feel as though even though we were promised great things from EA when they first got <laughs> the like uh, and it's a shame for me because I have a little bit of bias here because LucasArts probably banged to rights my favorite video game studio ever. They they crafted so alone, much, um, so much, so much joy, mm-hmm. and like Star Wars as well. I'm kind of I have a lot of attachment to the Jedi Knight series as well, and obviously Fallen Order is a spiritual mm. successor to that. They wouldn't have put Star Wars Jedi and then have the colon without it having any sort. And of And then callback. they made them backwards compatible. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. And I'm really, really excited for Fallen Order. I think there are definitely some concerns, but at the end of the day, I definitely think it's the right direction. It's what we've wanted to see from Star Wars for mm. a while. Uh, and at that end, you know. I think we've seen a similar kind of resurgence of Battlefront 2 over the last few years where EA or DICE rather have really listened to what Star Wars fans want to mm. see in the video game and, and this is the thing as well most Star Wars fans who love the video games are the diehard expanded universe guys who really 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 love the history mm. of the canon and have a lot of nostalgia for those older games which is why they've brought back the Republic Commandos for um, Star Wars Battlefront 2 and mm. I would love to see um, in the future if EA aren't going to well I think they are at this point I think it's kind of dead set that they're going to continue the franchise mm. I would love to see maybe experiments with something like a Republic Commando 2 because that would get people excited. Yeah, like a and the shooting. thing is, you could absolutely do it in a way where, you know, there was a big, there's a big whole cliffhanger at the end of Republic Commando where one of your squad mates basically gets left behind. It's called Sev. And you don't really know what happens to him. Yeah. I think a great way to expand on that would literally to be have the sequel to Republic Commando be Imperial Commando and you're still the same squad leader leading the uh, your Imperial Commandos, mm-hmm. as it were. And you find out that Sev's alive and Sev's actually working for the Rebellion or something because he didn't get the <laughs> order for 66 kind to happen. Kind of like that in a way, but like I think that would be a really clever way of doing it and there are so many different aspects of those old Star Wars games that I'd love to see I'd love to see a new TIE Fighter or X-Wing or Rogue Squadron thing coming through maybe even a pod racer Mm. and that's the thing that's frustrating me most about EA is that their their direction with Star Wars has been so limited they've had two games and they've they've both been first person shooters and obviously I'm talking about the ass because Republic Commando is a first person shooter as well Mm -hmm. but you think of the idea of like Star Wars lends itself to so many different genres you could have a Star Wars racing game you could have a Star Wars RPG you could have a Star Wars which we used to get yeah you can have yeah. a Star Wars whatever and I would love to see EA kind of just wake up and realise they have this amazing franchise don't just squander it on Battlefront yeah don't put all your eggs in one basket Stop. Yeah. you don't have to bet on these massive overblown FPSs you yeah. could diversify diversify the portfolio have a nice little out. fun pod racing game yeah. have a nice great uh, you know uh, jet uh, Starfighter only experience based on p- 
Kodamaran mm-hmm. after Rise of Skywalker or before or whatever. Have a StarCraft style yeah. like, war management. And there are thing, so many yeah. different errors that fans are absolutely dying to see as well. It, it's the thing that's frustrating to me is that you've had what it's been five, four years since Force Awakens came out and four yes. years since that first Battlefront. They've had years to make something. I know LucasArts... Well, the was inked in 2015. Yeah, I, I know LucasArts didn't really do much towards the end of their cycle, but they did have 1313 coming mm. out and there is, you know, the idea that maybe we should be looking at different... Um, play more to the hardcore audience look at maybe doing another Knights of the Old Republic mm-hmm. look at doing all these other different things as well so I think there's really no excuse for how limited their approach has been no I, and I think yeah the next uh, generation needs to be more diverse yeah man like well compared to like the last decade like like you said you look at the 2000 Star Wars games like they used to get one every year every couple of years and it was always really diverse that was the thing that was always at the forefront of it was a whole bunch of different genres so if there's one thing that needs to return next gen it's the diversity within Star Wars in mm-hmm. terms of the genres and everything um, yeah I would hope to see that um, Rich your last thing is Simpsons game Yes, which is also very, used to get tons of a very different tangent because the last Simpsons game I think we had was the Simpsons <coughs> game. It oh, yeah, wasn't, wasn't, uh, yeah. wasn't tapped out. No, um, and <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the Simpsons game. You know, twelve mm-hmm. years ago. Like O'Reilly. A little while. Um, but yeah, like, you know, the thing about The Simpsons is, in terms of its actual, like, television show, it's very much, it's, it's dead, to put it bluntly. Right, yeah. It still makes the money, still gets <laughs> the viewers, it was, they will keep churning out series. Golden Age is a long time but ago. But I don't know who keeps watching it. <laughs> who, tell me. Just whoever's got Fox on on Sundays. But, mm-hmm. like, yeah, the golden era of The Simpsons is something that will never die. Like, I am still watching content. People are making content right now about the golden era of The Simpsons. <laughs> going back and doing retrospectives and reviews and, and looking mm-hmm. at things conceptually and character studies and stuff like that. There's so much. It's weird to think there's like Sim- almost Simpsons lore. Yeah. For like, you know, you know, eight years of the series that was the golden era. Like that is, there's so much you can play off from that. And that was when they did games like Road Rage and Hit and Run that are so beloved to so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you can tap back into that. If you're going to do another Simpsons game, just literally, when, it, when you get past like season 10, just forget it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't bother because you want to get people in to play this game. You need to do the stuff that people actually know. Mm-hmm. If you're referencing season 31, episode two, no one's going to know what that is. No. It's... So go back to it. And I mean, even one of the producers of Hit and Run has said very recently, like... It, it could happen it's the right time it could Mm. be the thing and I think I said this on a podcast before about THQ Nordic who are just remastering every (laughs) weird game that people liked Mm -hmm. get them on it Mm -hmm. if you can remaster Spongebob Bikini Bottom or the hell it's called Bikini Bottom you can do Hit and Run exactly just put that on the Switch yeah I would love that Hit and Run like one of my favourite games ever I absolutely adore that series it was like (laughs) when I wasn't allowed GTA I was allowed Simpsons Hit and Run and the humour in that game the thing that always strikes out speaks out to me about that game apart from the fact that you know it plays very well Mm. is that its understanding of the golden era like it's not it's it's it has a lot of references but that's what people want to want to kind of want to go back to they didn't mm. just replicate old storylines they had a brand new like treehouse of horror basically story that you went through mm-hmm. and it blended that old kind of meta like you know self-referential humor with something that was actually genuinely new at the same time yeah. and i'd love to see that i'd also love to see if we're ever going to talk about you know matt graining why don't we get a future armor game in the future as well because there was there was yeah. that one that came out at the start of um the noise yeah. They could totally do whatever they wanted with that. You could go deliveries on the Planet Express. Mm-hmm. You could do whatever. I think there's definitely scope to come back to Hit and Run. And I think there's scope to do other stuff with the Simpsons and Futurama. And maybe even Disenchantment if more people pay mm. attention to it. Because that's actually yeah. quite good. I think that like it's weird with, with Fox because they used to have their whole like Fox gaming studio wing. And they've sort of moved away from it a bit mm-hmm. to be more focused on like movies. That seems to be where they're putting a lot of their money in terms of like X-Men and whatever else. Um, but like, yeah, like they used to have a, a pretty diverse portfolio. Like, like in terms of, I used diverse portfolio twice in one podcast mm-hmm. 
but in terms of like the Simpsons games, the Futurama games, like you used to see that logo a lot more associated with video games. I would love to have more hit and run. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, like, other than doing another Simpsons game, which admittedly was full of self-referential stuff, and even mm-hmm. the Simpsons game still referenced more of the golden era than the new. That was like an episodes. original story, but then it was also yeah, because like, it, it referenced things like the Land of Chocolate and the, uh, <laughs> oh, and yeah, the museum and, and all that sort chocolate. of thing, and as much as then you have a dance battle with God, but like, <laughs> you know, they, but also like the way that EA actually did it, they did it completely right, is they took the same approach that Fox had with the show, mm. which was do whatever, we're not going to censor you, mm. which hence why like the like the, the guy with the EA sash and ca- bags of cash yes. was there through the whole game and they were just slagging him off constantly. <laughs> give it, like give this, give the writers that option, get mm. the voice actors back and do it properly. Like, you know, but mechanically, another Simpsons game could be fun, but it would make the most yeah. sense to do a hit and run. Depressingly, I think it's even though I think every single Simpsons fan would love another hit and run. I think EA just makes so much money out of tapped out. They'll they have no they have no <laughs> well, compulsion to do another game, which is thing. so upsetting. Yeah. Like, EA is like in a, such a weird spot because like in the two thousands, they used to pretty much do like games as movie sequels or like the next iteration, like the Simpsons games, oh, Scarface, the game, Scarface. Like um, Scarface was uh, Rebellion. I oh, think. was it? Oh. But um, but still, that was still, Godfather. Like, Godfather. That yeah. was like. A mentality that was shared back then and obviously EA has changed to be so money grubby at the minute um, that for them to do a, but then the change of the generation does sort of bring in new mentality so yeah. hopefully they'd kind of remember what made people like them it would be, it would be great speech. even just like I said even just a remaster as much as I said I wouldn't want one on chatty <laughs> if, if one actually, take it if, one, take if it. one turned up I'm not going to say no yeah. mm-hmm. uh, my last game is uh, Brutal Legend which is something that uh, Double Fine put together um, and should have been the best game of all time you'd literally take old, sc- old school heavy metal artwork from the 80s and you make a fantasy hack and slash RPG type thing around it with all the all the licensed tracks with like literally Lemmy and Ozzy and um, dude from Judas Priest who's named Rob Halford every single person that mattered back in the 80s you just do a whole big old exploration celebration of it should have been phenomenal yes. and then it was a blooming stupid top down yeah. weird strategy it's thing it's always to me because I remember when before that game came out all I saw was the third person hack and slash That's what they stuff, it with. and then literally dovetails that, that top down stuff and it's the most bizarre thing Ever. And if it was proper top-down, if it was XCOM style, if it was a proper um, strategy game, I would have loved it. But it was mm. this weird thing where it was hack and slash with the camera following you around, but then you were trying to like order units and hold this button, tap this, make them go here, I'm going to go around the left, or whatever. And it just felt so stupid. And like obviously, on the publishing side, they knew what they didn't have, so they were just advertising it as a God of War with the heavy metal thing. And that's like got so many people in, but then that bit in the game when it switches, everyone, like Jules and me and everyone else, just went, what the hell is this? Mm. So if they ever did another one, um, and I know that um, Tim Schafer's talked about doing like another one he's like oh it's one of my most beloved things and whatever um, Jack Black would clearly come back to be Eddie yeah. Riggs again um, and they could just do the Brutal Legend sequel that we all deserve I think that if there's definitely a possibility for it because obviously now that Xbox have acquired Double Fine they're going to want like the, the, the fact that Psychonauts 2 got off the mm. ground and people are excited for that mm-hmm. like there is proof that again even with like the THQ stuff there are there are things there are more niche series that people will always come back to mm-hmm. so if Xbox turned around and said hey Brutal Legend 2 Scott now has to buy an Xbox Scarlet because oh, he wants to that. play Brutal Legend mm-hmm. 2 plus like there's a whole bunch of new age theatrical bands of N7fold Ghost like Ghost in, oh in Brutal Legend that was like so, that was so Cardinal Copio Papa Emeritus just walking around the, taking missions from Can I, it sounds almost be, like a Kingdom Hearts of Heavy oh, I was no, say, yes exactly 
exactly. Kingdom Hearts just, and Heavy Metal. Just to, just to crap all over this. Stop just, it. Give, just give me a pop punk version. Yeah. <laughs> that would still be great. Though. Maybe maybe they could turn the the almost like a legend series or a brutal series. They could do something like that as long as they don't over oversaturate it like Guitar Hero did. What would you call the uh, the pop punk version? Uh, of something. It legend? would have to be like it would have to incorporate Tony Hawk skater elements. Board shorts legend. Yes. Could you not just call it that? like brutal punk? Yeah. <laughs> Anything that gets you sort of uh, you get to hang out with the dudes and bullying for soup or the chat from some forty one or whatever. But yeah, so there's a variety, a smattering of different sequels and franchises that we'd love to see on the next generation of consoles. But let us know your favorites down in the comments below or come find us on social media if you're listening on the audio platforms. For now, though, as I take a breath, this is the What Culture Gaming <laughs> podcast. And I've been your host, Scott Taylor, for joined by you and Pat. We love you, Scott, and goodbye to all. Thank you. And Rich Hudson. Thank you for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.